Right, let's start by getting some terminology out the way so you know exactly what I'm talking about in this episode. Email marketing is when you create something that people can only access in exchange for their email address. And the thing that you're giving them in exchange for their email address is called a lead magnet, although sometimes people simply sign up for newsletters or useful information rather than a tangible thing like a PDF guide that they get instant access to. Now, whichever way they sign up, they proceed to receive a sequence of emails. These sets of emails are usually called nurture sequences because they're designed to build relationships with subscribers rather than making quick fire sales. And that's something to really hold in your mind. There's nothing wrong with selling through email marketing, but it's a long game. But the good news is that once you set it up, it keeps working for you in the background. So with all that out of the way, let's dive into the ways you can give yourself the best possible chance of making sales through email marketing. Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you find this episode useful. If you're new to this podcast, each week I share fluff-free, actionable ideas tailored to education businesses that you can mould to suit your needs. And finally, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review on iTunes or follow and subscribe on whichever platform you choose. Thank you once again for tuning in. If you're really not sure whether you need email marketing or maybe you don't know whether you want to add yet another thing to your to-do list, let me help you decide. There are pros and cons to everything. For instance, on social media, you can reach loads of people, people can access your content in one go, and you have lots of creative ways to present what you want to say. This is the third business I've set up, my oldest one being 18 years old, and social media has hands down been the quickest and biggest generator of clients. But having said that, loads of people have joined my tutor's mastermind through being signed up to emails. As I mentioned, everything has pros and cons and some downsides of social media is that you don't really own your content and you certainly have no control over platforms. Whereas with email marketing, you own those email addresses, you own your content and people have expressly given you permission to keep in touch with them. People take social media breaks, whereas they rarely take email breaks. Also, social media relies on recency, which means you have to keep producing content, whereas email marketing can be set up once and continually work for you in the background. But if you're looking for something that works for you in the background, email marketing isn't the only option. Search engine platforms like YouTube achieve the same thing. So it's no wonder why making a decision can feel confusing. And the reason I'm telling you all of this is because I'm not here to sell one marketing method over another to you. I want you to make a decision based on two things. Firstly, what's likely to connect with your clients the most? And secondly, what are you likely to be able to sustain? For instance, if I wanted to connect with young people, I probably wouldn't go down the email marketing route, but I might if I wanted to connect with their parents and guardians, because teenagers often are just not in the same habits as adults, and they might not keep an eye on their emails. Or if I was selling an online course with pre-recorded videos, I would be more inclined to choose platforms like YouTube as they accurately give people a taster of what I'm asking them to invest in. But if I help adults, then something like email marketing could work alongside that. So here's where to start. Think about the one way you think you're most likely to connect with your target audience. Where do they hang out? 
Where are they in the right mindset to respond to your content? And then ask yourself which marketing method allows you to convey what you want to say the best. That should be your primary method. And for most people, that does tend to be social media. And that's mainly because even if you choose something like YouTube or email marketing as as one of your methods, you still need a way of signposting people to it, especially with email marketing. So once you've decided on that primary method, you can use strategies like email marketing to nurture those relationships. So someone might say meet you for the first time on Instagram, but there's no guarantee that they'll always see your content. So email marketing gives you a different way to keep that relationship developing. So if you're thinking that email marketing might just be a great way to strengthen your marketing efforts, or if you already do it, but you want to improve the results you're getting, then let's dive in. Now, if you have a moment, just pause this episode and look up typical email open rates when it comes to email marketing. This is the percentage of people who tend to actually open those emails. Also, look up typical unsubscribe rates. That's a percentage of how many people tend to unsubscribe. My latest lead magnet was an ebook all about how you can grow your education business, including possible passive income streams. The link is in the show notes if you'd like to download it. But in the meantime, here's how it's performing. I released it around four months ago and I have just over 100 subscribers. It has an average open rate of 76% and I've had four unsubscribers, one of whom had signed up twice with two different email addresses. Now, if you did take a minute to look up typical percentages, you'll see that these numbers are quite unusual. And the reason I'm telling you about it is because I actually broke a lot of the typical rules around lead magnets and yet it's my best performing campaign. So I've had a real think about why this one has performed so well, despite me breaking a lot of the rules, and I'm going to share loads of lessons learnt with you today. I'm dividing this episode into two parts. Part one will be about creating a lead magnet that compels people to sign up, and part two will be about the subsequent emails to keep people interested in what you have to say. I'm also going to make some suggestions of which platforms to use. What I'll start by saying is to ignore the typical rules. I know I'm brave to say it, but I'm proof that you can break the rules and still get great results. You'll typically hear that a lead magnet needs to be short and punchy. So something like a one or two page PDF or a short video or a short video series. Either way, the common advice is that it needs to be quick and easy to digest. Now, this advice isn't wrong, but what I will say is that it depends on how you're positioned in your niche. For instance, my ebook, which is more successful than any of my one pages, is over 30 pages long. And most experts will tell us that that's a big no-no. But here's what I think. It all depends on where you are in your business and what kind of relationship you have with your audience. When I released my ebook, I had already established this podcast. I was having loads of discovery calls with new clients. The mastermind was up and running and I had gained momentum on social media. So people generally knew what kind of things they were likely to get through any freebie that I offer. They trusted me and they could make an easy decision as to whether they'd be likely to find it useful because they know me. But if you're a relatively new business, or if you haven't really struck up loads of relationships with your audience, and I'm talking about people who aren't your clients, then a short and punchy one will be, in my opinion, a good way to start. Now, the hardest part when it comes to lead magnets is deciding what to actually create one about. So here are three things to consider when forming your idea. 
The first thing is to start by making a list of the common questions that clients or potential clients ask and or the common struggles that your clients face. For instance, a huge proportion of people who book discovery calls with me and become clients want my help in helping them grow and scale their businesses in a way that doesn't mean working all the hours under the sun. So I knew that this ebook would connect with them. So start there. What do your audience often ask for or what do they often struggle with? The second thing I would say, especially if you haven't done this before or if you haven't had great results with past lead magnets, is to choose just one problem to solve and try and drill down as much as possible. Remember, with your lead magnet, you're just trying to give people quick wins. You're not trying to teach them an entire topic. So I'm an English tutor and let's say I wanted to create one about how to get to higher grades in your GCSE exams. I would choose just one core skill and create something to help people master that. So instead of teaching them how to time their essays as well as structure and language, I could just focus on one of those things. Or I could talk specifically about essay techniques for a specific type of question. And one thing to bear in mind is that you can have loads of lead magnets floating around. For instance, I have a set of social media content prompts just for people who join my Facebook group. I have the ebook, which is for everyone. I could have another for my podcast listeners or for people who join my website. But if you want this to keep working for you in the background, try and choose something that's evergreen, something that people can use all year round. And the third thing is actually about you, not your audience. Choose something that directly maps to what you offer or what you want to attract clients to. Otherwise, you might be successful at solving a problem for people, but it won't attract paid customers. Now, this can be a hard one because as education businesses, we don't necessarily help people with one thing or in one way. For instance, as a tutor, you might have one-to-one classes, group classes, online courses. You might teach different age groups. In that situation, I would choose one audience group to target, so let's say GCSE students, and one offer that you want to attract people to, let's say group classes. That way, as you help people through a topic, you can weave information about what you offer into your lead magnet and subsequent emails. So let's say as an English tutor I wanted to attract people to a GCSE group class, I could share a technique that's worked well in my lessons and frame it in a way where people can try the technique independently and share screenshots of the kind of work or results it's produced with the students in my group class. So there you have a few things that will steer you towards creating a lead magnet that really works. Now let's move on to your nurture sequence, the subsequent emails that follow after someone has downloaded your lead magnet. I use ConvertKit for my email marketing. You can sign up for a free account using the link in the show notes. It isn't a trial, you can actually use it for free. You do get more features when you pay for it, but I usually get my clients signed up with a free account, get everything set up and planned, and then just start paying when they need the paid features. Now, there are many email marketing platforms on the market, and often they offer very similar functionality. But one of the reasons I chose ConvertKit is because it has a good reputation of emails landing in people's inboxes instead of junk folders. Also, I find it very intuitive and fast to use, which is always important for me. It also has nice features like creating forms and landing pages for your subscribers, and you can even sell through it. For example, you could sell products, services, or even event tickets. So for me, ConvertKit is the one I recommend to most people, and if you'd like to start using it or exploring it for free, you can do so using the link in the show notes. Now, when thinking about the aim of your emails, of course you want to attract paid clients, but how can you make that happen? 
The first thing you want is for people to feel like your emails have been written especially for them. Now, don't get me wrong. People generally know that the email is automated, but that doesn't matter if the content is just what they wanted to read. And the two ways to measure whether you're achieving this is number one, through the open rate. That's how many people are actually opening those emails. And if you have any links in your email, you should also get data about the click rate. And number two, if people reply or take some form of action, when people reply to your email, you know that it's really connected with them. So something I periodically do is I open my email sequence in ConvertKit and go to the reports section. This shows me how each individual email is performing. If I see a low open rate for a particular one, then I start by changing the subject line to see whether that improves results, since that's the first thing that people see and usually that's what helps them decide whether or not to open the email. If that doesn't make much of a difference, then I change the content of the email and see how that performs. So don't just look at the headline figures, drill down to how each email is performing so you can reduce the chances of people unsubscribing. Now, I mentioned earlier that you want people to feel like your emails written just for them. So with that in mind, you want to steer your language and calls to action towards making sure that you're connecting with people. Things like using simple language that's easy to scan and understand, making use of white space so that paragraphs aren't too long and breaking up lots of information with things like bulleted lists are all good practices. Some of the things I would avoid in emails are too many images or even any images. I would avoid things like animations and I would avoid adding too many links or too many calls to action in the email. The reason I'd avoid images and too many links is because often these trigger spam filters. And the reason I would avoid too many calls to actions is because if we ask people to do too much, they end up doing nothing. And if you have just no idea about what to write, here are two things that will unlock that. Firstly, the same concept I spoke about when it comes to creating lead magnets apply. Just take one thing at a time. Solve one problem in one email. Don't try and achieve too much in each email because if you're bombarding people with information, even though you're being really generous, people are unlikely to read it. So keep it concise and short with one very clear call to action. The second thing, and I think this really unlocks getting good results from email marketing, is to keep your email content revolving around your lead magnet. Because when someone downloaded your lead magnet, they did it for a reason. There was a specific problem they hoped you'd be able to solve. And just because they've received your lead magnet doesn't mean that their problem has been solved. Maybe they downloaded it and forgot to read it. Maybe your lead magnet helped them get to a point, but they need more and that more can be delivered through your email sequence. Now, I'm not saying that you need to give away loads for free through email marketing, but if you want to actually attract paid clients through it, it's a brilliant opportunity to act as a taster of what people will achieve by working with you. It's like a trailer for a movie. Now, while you're giving value, you can also sell. In fact, some experts suggest selling in every single email you send. And I think you can, as long as the reader is getting something from your email that compels them to buy. And usually that something is a quick win. If you can help someone solve a problem through an email, they are so much more likely to want to work with you. Now, I've covered quite a lot in this episode, so I'll do a quick summary for you. And at the end, I'll give you two suggestions of what you can do right now. One for if you want to start email marketing and one for if you want to improve the results of an existing email marketing campaign. The first thing is to think of people's email addresses as the currency they're paying in exchange for something, 
And that something is your lead magnet, which could be in the form of a downloadable or even a monthly newsletter. But for people to hand their email address over to you or to stay subscribed, your lead magnet needs to solve a problem that they need solving. There's no point in you taking that decision without listening to them. So it's a good idea to get ideas by listing questions that people ask you or questions that you see people ask on Facebook groups that are related to your niche and common struggles that your clients face. The second thing is to make sure that your lead magnet will give you a chance to promote what you're offering or the part of your business you specifically want to attract clients to right now. If you don't take that into the mix, then you'll simply be offering a freebie with nothing in return. Your hard work won't pay off. And number three, when you're thinking of the subsequent emails to send them, think about the problem that your subscriber wanted solving when they downloaded your lead magnet or signed up for your emails and use that to steer your content. So here are two things you can do right now, either to get started or to improve the results of your email marketing. If you want to get started with email marketing, start by forming a strong lead magnet idea. Think about how you can zoom into just one thing that solves a common problem that your clients face. Keep it punchy, regardless of how short or long your lead magnet is, so that it gives people a quick win and is easy to follow. After that, you can map some subsequent emails. You can even just list some subject lines for now. If you are in a position where you want to improve the results of an existing email marketing campaign, then if your platform allows it, look at the open rates and unsubscribe rates for each email in your sequence. If you spot ones where the open rate is low or you've had some unsubscribers, then have a go at changing the subject line and just see if that makes a difference. You will have to wait. You can't just change it and expect a difference in 24 hours, but see how it performs. Now, if that doesn't improve things, then rethink the content. Maybe the content for that particular email isn't something that your subscribers particularly want to know about. Either way, when you're looking at data, use it to inform what action you can take. Don't take it personally. You will always get unsubscribes for various reasons. It doesn't mean that what you're putting out there isn't strong, but data can help you get a view of what you can simply make stronger. So as always, thank you so much for tuning in. You'll hear from me next week and remember to check out the useful links I've talked about in the show notes. Would you like to take this discussion further? Perhaps you have some questions or you'd like more ideas on tailoring your business. If so, book a free discovery call through the link in the show notes.